This man has been convicted of rape. As you know, the penalty for rape is death. This disgusting creature has given us no choice. Am I correct, girls? Yes, yes, yes Aunt Lydia. Lydia. Alfred. But that is not the worst of it. Now, you know that I do my very best to protect you. The world can be quite a ugly place, but we cannot wish that ugliness away. We cannot hide from that ugliness. This man raped a handmaid. Hello, this is Gina and welcome to Resisting Gilead. Today we are going to discuss the season four finale and joining me is W. Axel Foley from the Daily DVR Podcast Network. How are you doing, Axel? I'm doing great, Gina. I am excited, if that's the right word, to talk about (laughs) this finale, what a season it's been. I thought it was going to be longer. I don't, I try not, I'm, I'm so, I don't even look at anything. So I don't know. I thought, cause like last season was 13 episodes, right? Yeah. Seasons, seasons two and three were 13 episodes, but due to the pandemic, they decided just to bang this one out in 10, yeah. I guess. Um, it was interesting. I did watch one kind of post finale interview or read one with the, writer and he said oh we've we've written tons of flashback scenes for lydia nick and janine yeah, i read that, this yeah yes that we just have never used and so it's not for lack of content i think it was just due to the situation we were all yeah. in they wanted yep. to put that together but um yeah what a season indeed and um this was a highly anticipated episode i think we uh you know, there, we had a lot of fun going over some theories and predictions for this, for this episode and, uh, you know, very key one (laughs) happened, but, um, as this started out, I hated the opening scene to this. It was, I guess, meant to be a flashback of Fred and June dancing at Jezebel's and it just made my skin crawl. I was just like, heebie-jeebies all over. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not for, and when, and, and yeah, because you kept on seeing his side of it and he was like, oh, I'm done, you know, ooh. And then you go to her side and she'd be like, oh my God, you know, and in touch terror. Uh, it was, it, so many of the flashbacks this episode. Um, and even with rewatching the first episode, which you suggested I do, um, it's hard to tell some of the stuff they may have shot and some of it they used, you know, like it's, it can even be hard to tell sometimes, which is which. Yeah. 
yeah, it, it's true. I don't think they actually used any of the footage from the first episode, but there were so many See? lines and, yeah. and everything else. And it took me a minute, like, you know, I probably watched that finale twice and I'm like, with, I'm like, I picked up on so many things that I knew had been in a previous episode. And like, I think this was all in the first episode. And I went back and watched it and there were definite synergies. And then even a couple of like weird mirroring situations. And um, I don't know if we want to talk about that now or maybe at the end after we go through the, you know, all the big reveals and everything else. Or maybe as we go along, we'll just kind of loop it in. But um, yeah, so, you know, I mean, I'll be honest, this whole episode, I'm like, when are they going to kill Fred? Like, the, <laughs> like every single time, I mean, you know, poor June is having like some really serious PTSD in this, like with the flashbacks, the fact that Fred is just going to walk free. Um, it's just... Ugh. I mean, this poor woman has been through so much and it's just, you know, it's heartbreaking in a way. And, you know, even Lawrence tells her at one point, whatever happens to Fred won't be enough for you. Um, which to me kind of shows, I think Lawrence knows June better than Luke does at this point. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, when he said that, I was thinking, gosh, this guy is right. And then after watching the episode, then when rewatching it, I was thinking, yeah, this guy is right because she kills him. <laughs> he that's that's uh, that's as far like that's how that's what she wants, right? Well, and so, he knows it, and I think he had to have. Yeah. a role in this. I mean, he, Nick, and, you know, I don't know where and when all this plotting took place for the end of the show to happen, but um, it was going on, uh, which is, is very interesting. Well, that's something, I don't know if you want to cover everything chronologically, or you want to dive into, into kind of just overall thoughts of the episode, whichever way you want to go. Let's, let's just kind of dive into overall thoughts of the episode. Okay. Sometimes I don't necessarily go chronologically. I like going kind of, you know, more talking about the groupings of people yeah. Or, yeah. or two scenes. But yeah, we can just kind of dive into it here. Well, um, that, that's something that I wanted to bring up. I was just talking with my wife when I was re-watching today she um walked into the room and she had stopped watching two seasons ago and i think that she had kind of been a little bit out even after the first season i think just because of like we've talked about obviously mm -hmm. it's a tough show to watch but also um i think that it was just a bit heavy for her uh at the time you know she works yeah. hard she wanted to watch something more fun <laughs> um, but she came and watched like the end, I guess the last 40 minutes of this episode. And I kind of brought her up to speed on everything. And one thing that I kind of found myself saying was, you know, usually it's a, it, it stayed more methodical. And in this episode, 
you could tell and what we what you spoke about earlier about kind of taking out at least three episodes because of covid mm-hmm. and i'm glad that they were able to produce these episodes and they were still fantastic but i did feel like this episode was at least two episodes compacted into one mm. because the you really in order to keep up with where june is at you really really have to be paying attention and in tune because they it's like such a roller coaster of do you think is she really she says she wants forgiveness or she wants to for, not forgive mm. but move on right right and she then it's like a back and forth that's kind of the thing let it go back and forth and then you have the whole uh things going on off camera of the machinations of however she set up this big thing which has to do with at least nick and lawrence right if not other people whoever you know at the um embassy and whatnot so i just felt i couldn't help but feel i'm of course feel like at the end was so powerful still after the journey that we've been on for four seasons but i did kind of feel like this episode was rushed to me yeah Um, i mean yeah it was tough there is definitely a lot of coordination we did not see And honestly, it's hard to see how she would have even done it working through the embassy since they record Mm -hmm. all those calls. It's not like she could have had a, unless they figured out another mode of communication, there's no way she would have been able to coordinate this with Nick and um, Lawrence over the phone in the ways that we've seen so far. It, it was it was it was tough for me and especially with nick i get it the last time we saw him it was plainly obvious and he said he's still in love with her right he i think that nick is a good guy who is now in power and, and will be a good asset right i think he's probably doing other things to help people in other ways um but it needed more with what happened with lawrence and how the actual, uh, whatever last second phone call was reached, like where the, it, because then it was like the council, had, not the Canadians, but the international, I think like the UN or whatever decided he was unfit. So he couldn't go to Geneva, you know, like there was another well, like level there or something. Was, that was, they, it's not that they decided he was unfit. It was that they were able to get, what was it, another 19 women yeah, yeah, out of right. Gilead. And so. Well, yeah, I understand that. But I mean, they, they said that, though, as like a kind of political excuse, mm-hmm. right? That they, you, you were revoking this and you're going back. And that of course was maybe just an excuse, but the real thing was the exchange. The exchange. I understand yeah. that, but I'm just saying there was an opportunity there to show the politics, which I think in ne- the next season and seasons to come are gonna become even more important, right? Especially with like Serena, um, that they, they lost an opportunity there 
to show us that June can do more than inspire other people to strike back and take revenge and kill and all that and, and groups. <laughs> she all she we also can see that aspect that we've seen before of her intense intelligence and ability mm -hmm. to manipulate people. Yeah. Well, so I that's mean, all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. I mean, I think I think at least that part's implied. It's more the coordination yeah. of the yeah. of the meeting in the woods. Yes. I'm like, how did this all come together? Uh, clearly, Emily helped her out too, I'm sure. Um, because mm -hmm. those two were basically having a conversation about it in plain view of everyone else. But only the viewer could really probably pick up on that due to the fact of knowing how handmaids communicate and have their own looks and speaking code and things like that. Because, you know, there was that one scene, Emily's like, well, what would you like to see happen to Fred? You know, and then she's kind of says, is that all? You know, you know that, I mean, Emily's out for blood too. Yep. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's very, yeah, very, yeah. very interesting coordination happened there. But um, let's talk about Mark Tuello a little bit and his his ladies on his left, his lady on his left, and the lady on his right, <laughs> Serena and June. Marky Mark. What has he got into? He's probably kicking himself now. Like I've got this one bitch Serena, and I've got this other bitch June. And and now I'm screwed. And I had crushes on both of them for a hot second. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think he likes it. You know, I think um, that part when she just shows up in front of his house while he's jogging, you know, and he gets all flustered. And then he's like, I'm sorry, I raised my voice. <laughs> right? Like, it's like, dude, it's okay. Well, um, he knows he's in the yeah. doghouse. Yeah. I mean, you could tell that first scene they had together when she's like, is he everything you hoped he would be? I was just like, you could tell he's just trying to be as deadpan as possible, but also looks supremely guilty. Is he everything you hoped for? Absolutely. He's already rewritten our understanding of the Gilead Command hierarchy. He is proving to be an intelligence asset of great value. Yes. You won't be able to shut him up. Weak men. Hmm? They do make the world go round. I am on your side, Miss Osborne. I was a prisoner that Waterford would sometimes take out to fuck. And you were going to set him free. You don't have a sign. He has a great uh, thing with his voice where he can kind of, where it kind of cracks mm. a little bit, right? Like where he's like, I don't know how to, I can't even do it. Um, and it just makes him in Parenthood when he did that, you know, he was on Parenthood. I love that show it really made you like love the guy you know what i mean like he was very um kind of fragile yeah and i think we haven't had an opportunity i know i think the when i was on earlier you had talked about wouldn't it be fun this season if we get a flashback for him uh -huh. yeah um and even though we didn't get that 
we didn't get too much. We we did get to he did his character did develop this season. It did. And, yeah. yeah, and I think that this episode was kind of a final like he I think he kind of finally developed and turned a corner and and was making decisions from his heart, right? And kind of extending past the bureaucracy, which gives us hope for the future for Canada, I guess. But for him, I thought it was pretty good. But you're right. He definitely, and even Fred said it at the very end, I know what you want. I know your desires. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He thinks that he wants Serena. Fred thinks that Mark wants Serena. And I think a big part of him does. But man, Uh she was just a cold-hearted bitch to him. And that scene they had together. And it was very, I mean, you know, she was very emasculating, I guess, which Mm -hmm. we'd seen her be that way with Fred in some of the flashbacks, like after she'd been shot and she's like, Fred, quit fussing over me, be a man, you know? Yeah, yeah. It was very reminiscent of that. And um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Mark Tuella can resist Serena next season because she's she's gonna be in a, um, she's gonna be in a pretty vulnerable position, I think with, with Fred gone. Um, yeah, but also maybe, it seems um, another, you know, another show that we love, Game of Thrones, right? Where we would often talk about, uh-oh, Tywin's writing the letters again, you know, like, <laughs> and what was she doing this whole episode? Working the phones, writing the letters. Yeah. So let's not forget about that. She was the one who had the foundational ideas for Gilead. So I think particularly in that scene you're speaking of and in her final scene with Fred, she is, I just got that feeling that things that even, I didn't feel like she would be alone actually. I felt like with Fred gone, it might actually clear the way for her to have a more concrete and truthful message um and if she does go that way i fear like i said when i sent in my uh um predictions or theory that she could get a lot of people on her side again i i do think it will be interesting she she has been working the phones in fact that was actually one of the tie backs to the first episode she and Fred are talking at one point and he's like, Oh, I've got to get on this conference call. Yeah, and we yep. see the exact mirror of it. I've got a conference call. And man, let me tell you, it was clear Serena gives zero fucks about Fred in that last scene they had together. I it was <laughs> just like, I was just like, wow, he got more out of he got more <laughs> sick, twisted, you know, satisfaction out of that meeting he had with June than any yep. type of affection from Serena. Yeah, I she's mean giving nothing. Ooh, she she was just so cold. And I'm like, how is this person gonna be a mother? Like, but but this is the true Serena, right? Like mm-hmm. for a while, you know, sometimes you give Serena a pass because she's stuck in Gilead, this world she created, she's in her own prison, you know, prison of her own creation. But really, she was just a she was just a bitch even before, you know. And I think we're seeing true Serena, just you know, this is this is who she is. 
um, this is who she is when she's not under the restraints of Gilead, which I think is an even worse person than the one we saw under the restraints of Gilead. Yeah, and in that uh, Hollywood Reporter article that we both read, one of the things uh, that they talk about is Serena next season and the position that she's in and, um, you know, how it could be one of power and or how it how perhaps this is like shaping up of kind of like a June versus Serena thing. It, it definitely could be. And the thing is, where does Serena get to hold this seat of power? Because yeah. really, you think it's got to be outside Gilead for her to have any type of impact on, you know, to have the freedom to do what she wants. However, there is that one crazy idea I came up with, what, which was she could go back to Gilead and marry Lawrence. And that would be a superpower couple. Mm, um, that's it. Yeah, that's an interesting yeah, idea. But for, they have shown the Canada thing, you know, like when they show when they walked out to that crowd cheering them, mm, that really felt like a lot of foreshadowing to me. And that must have been so disturbing to the people in Canada, you know, and as obviously what it was like played out to be. But that's just what I keep on thinking, you know. If yeah. and in also that like her pregnancy in itself, she stands as this symbol, you know, um, of kind of saying, here I am, a pregnant woman saying the handmade it's, system is good. It works for a lot of uh, people out there. That could be very convincing, unfortunately. Well, she could also serve if she stays outside Gilead, she could be uh, almost a liaison uh, for mm -hmm. people that want to emigrate to Gilead. Ah, that's an Wow, Gina, I had not even thought that is a another level of insanity that humans would definitely do. Yes. You're right, actually yes, volunteer themselves for that. You know, um, mm -hmm. you are 100% correct. But then again, I guess there's some person listening to this that's like, well, maybe it could work that way, that they just have volunteer handmaids, you know? Um, but in a, it, but I think the thing is, is that there's not, we still have never had an update. And one of the things that Perry asked me is, oh, how did she get pregnant? We, there, we know that in this world, there is a fertility issue, right? Yeah. that is not explained by any it, there's no explanation for it right it's just something that evolves in humanity well there's no true explanation for it because it doesn't seem like they really want to do the fertility testing to research the reason why right because Chuelo tells her when they have that very first meeting when they visit Canada, you know, our scientists think that the fertility issue is actually more with the men in Gilead than the women. Oh, okay. Oh, so, I forgot about that. So, I mean, oh, and nice. I think that's a very Gilead thing. They seem to be super anti-science in some ways when it comes to fostering the births of healthy children, mm, you know, yeah. they, they could do all this in vitro if they really wanted. And, yeah. 
you know. No, that's um, like it's like in real life. There, I'm always yeah. when, whenever I was living in North Carolina and I drove by the thirty people throwing eggs at four women going into Planned Parenthood, right, or yelling at them. I wondered uh, how many of those people adopted or are you know what I mean? Like. Mm the the you're absolutely right i mean we see that obviously this is a reflection of real life that the actual solutions which could work and which benefit and help people they don't do because it doesn't benefit the dogma nor them getting power Mm -hmm. over other people right or feeling powerful themselves so that's a great interesting point i had not considered that 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 movement arose so quickly that it basically put the kibosh on allowing science the time to figure out what was happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I that, think and that's, that's even scarier, right? Yeah, wow. it's it's probably wow. something that's you know anti their Old Testament views yeah. or something. But you even to research it, right? Like right. we can't even research it. Yeah, and and you mentioned the fact that you know people might actually volunteer to be handmaids. Well, that's actually the front that Gilead has put up, that that handmaids are indeed volunteers. Um, And that was something, too, that as time goes on, you know, it's not like they're rounding up all the sluts in Gilead and making them handmaids. I mean, maybe there are a few, you know, the 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 young women that behave badly in one way, shape or form, like like Mrs. Keys. But you would think that at some point, some uh, some women growing up feel some sort of calling to be a handmaid, you know, just like, you know, entering, you know, the... Right, as a society uh, develops. Yeah, so yeah. that's, I mean, you know, never say never. Some people might want to be handmaid. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I, think, I think that that's a great point, too. I mean, that's... As a, yeah, as a society, if it develops and it lasts long enough, I mean, we, we see that in so many different ways where people volunteer to be subjugated, you know, or they're brought up in a system that lends them to believe that that's, that will save them. You know, they'll be holy in some way by giving up their own freedom. Mm -hmm. Um, That's an interesting point. I did want to say something, Gina. I forgot because you mentioned this on the last pod. It just popped into my mind because I thought as we're talking about things that could happen. Um, Somewhere along the line, we may have got our signals crossed because I have not read the Testaments, the follow-up. Okay. Well, I didn't think you'd read it, but I'd asked you and you was like, oh, I've listened to it so many times on audiobook. And I was like, oh, okay. I was talking about the Game of Thrones oh. book. Because <laughs> we were also talking about that at the same time. Ah, I see. So that's how the wires got crossed. That one. So the next Game of Thrones show, I like... Re- oh, you listened to that to- one. Okay, yes. The Dragons. Got exactly. it. Exactly. Yes. Okay. I was kind of surprised to think you would jump ahead with... with- no. no. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't going to do that for this right. show. No, I don't want to... I mean, that's... I'm really interested to find out in what direction it goes and then that same hollywood reporter article um what's the showrunner's name again oh, i gosh. forgot his name i don't know but anyway i see his face very clearly and i hear his voice <laughs> but i don't remember he, his name 
but he does mention that they still do that. I think that's always on his mind. So I, I don't know. Um, I, I want now to kind of listen to it or read it or whatever. Um, but I think I'm going to wait until they transition it into the show. Uh, but I think I think that's what I'll probably do because well, I do enjoy this story as it is now. I think they could actually there's because it, it focuses on kind of we get POVs from three characters that exist in this you know story today. Um, there's there's we could start getting fragments of it from probably two of the three characters, um, depending, like they could start slotting stuff in actually, but it did surprise me to hear him say, he's like, Oh, I've got, I've got seasons of content in my brain for yeah. the handmaid's tale. I was kind of blown away at that just because I'm like, well, gosh, it's not like we can go on for another 14 years of this before you get to the Testament. So um, I think in, very, very slightly, they've started dipping the toe into, okay. into it very slightly. But um, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, it's kind of a gift, I think, that Margaret Atwood wrote this one book. They started a show about it they've continued on with the narrative and then a couple seasons in she says i'm going to write the finish to this story and leaves them with a huge gap to just create for the show i mean you know and they're doing i you know i hate to compare too much to game of thrones and kind of the track it it went on the last few seasons because they didn't have book material to work with but i think it shows something what these showrunners has have done with the handmaid's tale in terms of really building a world from just a few points and like they're connecting dots in a way that i think is far more substantial and satisfying than than game of thrones which is such a detailed world from george rr R. martin and then you kind of like try to start making it your own. It doesn't work. But I think like these two bookends that Atwood has given them is, is kind of genius. And they're smart enough to take it in a really interesting direction. Cool. But anyway. So, oh, Luke. Oh, Luke. Uh, I'm sorry. He just really <laughs> frustrates the crap out of me he he really wants everything to move on and go back to normal and and I feel for him but at the same time I'm like you are wrong you are so wrong and you're making it worse <laughs> yeah it's it's uh it's it's hard because you can't be mad at the dude you know it's really a catch-22 I mean I find I can't be mad at the dude because um, he he has been so strong, right, for so long, and he does want things just to have like have a family. We're here, you know. Let's just do this here. But the one thing is, I'm a little surprised is there was that a little bit of an impetus a couple of episodes to find their daughter. Yeah. 
And I thought that that would lead him to understand how many other people have to find their daughters, right? And then want to in some way be committed to the larger cause. So that's, that's where a little frustration did come in. Uh, but, you know, it's just to see what June has been through to wait so long for her to come back. And then to kind of realize, I mean, for all intents of purpose and, and, and purposes, however the hell you say that, <laughs> they, I think that they're, pro, you know, I think they're better off not together. I don't think yeah. that that's healthy for either of them. They're not at the place to be there. Um, but what are you going to do after you've waited so long for your love, you know? Yeah, but, you know, I also think, I mean, some of this is on June, too, because I feel like she, for one, hasn't really been her new true self with him. And they've never, like, had it out, not about Nick, not about, like, her just, you know, laying into him about not getting it. And there, there, there like, needs to be a big fight to see <clears throat> if that relationship could even survive. And it never happened. And I don't know. I just, I just think if they'd at least, like, really had kind of a knockdown, drag him out, not physically, but verbally... <laughs> Gina wants some housewife shit up in here. You know, <laughs> I, I feel like it needs to just be like I, more of like they need to get I, in each other's faces a little bit and have a screaming yeah, match. I don't know. Hash it out or at least try to I go to couples therapy. Like I you got to do one or the other, but it's not going to work. And since they never did it, I don't think there's hope. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know about, you know, I feel where you're coming from because you want them to like dig in the dirt and get it out and be real. But I almost feel like it's been too real and they're just in a different place. And honestly, I think that she, if anyone she's in love with, I think she's in love with Nick. Yes. That's so that's also that's, a complication. You know, yeah. So, I mean, what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. Right? Like that's, uh, you know, it's like when all the people, uh, uh, like when disappeared people come back or, you know, in, in any story like that, um, you have to come back to the other person. Did they move on or did they wait? He waited. And that doesn't always work. You know, look what happened to Tom Hanks and the volleyball Wilson. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you sometimes you have to accept that people moved on. And I think she senses it more than he's, willing to admit it because it couldn't be an easy thing to say to her hey maybe we're different now too different um well but, you know she even after that episode where she had to make the phone call to him to arrange the meeting with nicole and serena last season she sent him that tape and said Please find someone, you know, she, yes, yep. she let him go. I mean, she's let him go time after time after time. The first, just thinking he was anyway. dead, but even that time, you know, just say like, you have my permission to live and be happy and survive. And, you know, he still didn't really take that. And then, you know, it's, um, I don't know. Sometimes I just feel like 
his his heart is is bigger than his brain and oh you know, definitely yeah you 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 said it right there gina that's what i've been trying to say the whole time like i guess you can be mad at him what i mean to say is he's got a lot of heart and that's yeah. where it's coming from but you're right he's not thinking it through and you know what rewatching the first episode what stuck with me more than anything is the opening moments where they're escaping in the car and he's the one driving and he crashes the car and he tells them to run off through the woods yeah. and sends them away. He, I think he never got over that. Mm. Yeah, that could that be. He, he didn't protect them. He fucked up. If he had been, he said, go two miles, they're going to meet us, right? If he had been able to drive and get them there, maybe they could have escaped. Yeah. You know, and I think he just never forgave himself for that. And I would think if I put myself in that situation, I might not ever be able to forgive myself for that. There are certain things that you look back at your life and you go, I fucked up and I, I, I can accept it. But, you know, something as vital, like as life and death as that. Yeah. I just think he's a broken yeah. dude. You know, yeah, kind of and, a survivor's uh, guilt thing. Yeah, and, and I think mm -hmm. for a long time, I don't think he really realizes even how broken he is because he was with that woman who's completely disappeared, but the one that couldn't even speak for a while. You know that that he ended up escaping with. Yeah, um, that's, right. that's right. So I think it's easier, you know, when when there's someone around you that's more broken than you are, it's really easy to avoid your brokenness. Yeah. Cause you can be the strong one and yeah. kind of act yep. right. Yeah. And I think that's what, that's maybe too what he wanted here. There are some scenes here, especially throughout this season, but I mean, after she escaped, but throughout, but this episode in particular, like when they're driving the car, it's like, let's get a beer. Let's, you know, and it's like, kind of like when you're on vacation and it's and it's everybody's tired and dad's like you know big band parliament and you're like shut <laughs> up let's just go to the hotel yeah. only to sleep for an hour and get some food <laughs> um he's just off this episode yeah. well it shows how disconnected they are yes and the same thing with both him and fred she had intense connections with other people in this episode right mm -hmm. where they were lawrence whatever so many ever all these people uh not nick mark but any where they were both speaking the same thing but it seemed like every scene she was talking to luke and when she was in the scene with fred it was like two different people they were having two different conversations uh and i think in both ways like she said with fred like a toast to the old offred right our old offred in a yeah. way she has to leave behind that Alfred, but she also has to leave behind that June mm -hmm. and be someone new. So yeah. she has to kind of leave them both. She says goodbye to both of these men in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. In, she in really my does. opinion. Yeah. So I think that that's, that was an interesting point. Um, but yeah, man, that for, I, I forgot that it just start like starts right out with them riding in the car like that in the premiere episode yes and she's chased in the woods yeah like fred is later chased exactly in the woods. yeah i was gonna um, say yeah that was gonna it was so similar yeah um 
Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, June and Fred, the scene between June and Fred too was, mm -hmm. for a minute, I'm like, what is her real motivation of going there? Is this like part of, does she, does she think she's, this is how she's going to maybe finally let go by seeing him and having a conversation with him? Um, I don't know. I kept waiting her for like to slip him some poison in the bourbon. That's what I thought. You know, yes. or to get them making yeah. out and then she'd like stab him in the neck yeah. with something. But or like uh, bite his tongue out or something, God. you know, um, which she kind of does almost later. I thought she did. Um, it's hard to I, tell I, what she's biting. Yeah, <laughs> she just rips his face off. Uh, but yeah, that scene was crazy. I, I too, Gina, felt that way when watching this. And then when reading the, the interview with the showrunner, where he explains that it was in Fred admitting that he knew what he was doing was wrong. You know, oh, mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I knew it was, but I had to go, you know, blah, blah, blah. She, that's when her, her like total plan of vengeance is solidified. Um, which I found really interesting. And I don't know if I was able to read that from that scene only because I, it was, it's almost overwhelming the amount of pain this dude has inflicted on her and other people too, that I, it's like, I, I'm glad that I read it and kind of got that out of it because I didn't understand her intentions really too. I guess I felt like she was basically just seeing this through, you know? Like, I yeah. gotta go see him now to see, is there any, do I have an in to kill him? Do I have an in to forgive and let, or let right. go? I just have to see it through. Cause that's kind of what she is. She's like a shark, you know? She's just gotta keep <laughs> on moving. Yeah. I, you know, when I read that article, I'm like, oh, that's an interesting point. The fact that it was when he apologizes and, and realizes what he did was wrong that really sets her off. But to me, I think even more than the apology, it's that then he goes and says how much he misses Offred, yes. the woman yeah. that oh my he... God. The woman that yeah. he raped and, you know, and mm -hmm. to me, that was even more of a reason to just yeah. be like, you're an animal. You've told me you were sorry for what you did to me. And then you say, you miss that woman that you used to do those things to. It's funny to find myself missing her. I miss her strength. She was very special. 
inspiring in a way. Hmm. Too often. <laughs> Too far offered. Like that was, you know. Uh, it's that. all insanity. Anything that dude says is insane. You know, that's how I feel. Is uh, just um, always manipulating every situation. Crazy and insane, violent, terrible. So for me, that it's always just about what June is doing and feeling, you know? And the, I agree with you. It's when he said that, that I was like, she's going to kill him. She's definitely going to kill him. Originally, I thought it was when they initially found out that he was going to Geneva. And her oh. face kind of changed. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was because if he's, for me, I'm thinking from the, like the kind of, governmental political angle if he's going to geneva and then he's let free then that means he has told the canadians as much as they they believe they have gotten everything from him that they need uh -huh. right he's no longer of any operational use he's explained everything or whatever he then he can go and live wherever he wants that was the confusing part that when he said goodbye to Serena, he's like, okay, I'm going on a plane to Geneva to do it there, but then I'm coming back to Canada. But in actuality, he could, he really, once he let, once this, whatever happened, happened in Geneva, he could go wherever he wanted. Yeah, that's true. So there was a possibility here. And I felt like they were hinting in some way with the conversation with um uh that he had with serena but then also just before mark arrives and he's kind of talking to the security guys or whatever you know mm. kind of prancing around that he was perhaps contemplating skedaddling yes <laughs> like not coming back to canada or anywhere near gilead and like staying in geneva or going somewhere else you know yeah but i don't know maybe that's just the way i'm always trying to think of where they're well, going with things i think you know at any given time we can see because last week when june went to go meet nick i'm like she's never going to come back you know mm -hmm. i think there's a lot to be said about thinking these characters are going to up and run to just somewhere yeah. completely different to escape the hell they've been through you know and even the memory of that and maybe start fresh somewhere with no one really knowing who they are but uh yeah fred and you know this is another person you kind of think like who was he before gilead and i do think that serena and their relationship because i you know in some ways you could say he and serena were an abusive relationship even before gilead depending on how emasculating she was toward him and you know what that was like we've seen some happy times we've seen some times where she's you know yeah her mutually herself. abusive. Yes, yeah, it's a mutually kind of abusive relationship. And and I do think that Fred was looking for some type of female kindness, compassion, warmth that he just never got mm -hmm. from Serena. 
Um, Great point. Great you know, point, and, Gina. Yeah. When yeah. he said that, I miss. I'm sorry to interrupt, but you just okay. made me think. He said that. Here's to the old, our old Alfred. I felt like he. It was a weird toast to like the nanny that raised him because mom wasn't around or something. You know what I mean? Like it was strange. Like it was. I don't know because he's like an Englishy guy. You know, like uh, I mean, in real life, he is right. Yeah. Uh, I just got that feeling that like you said that's a great way to put it that that uh offered to him oh, I, i'm sorry i meant offered not serena that that offered to him was uh solace from represented motherhood women you know and yeah. it was something it was something that he desired not on this great God level, but just as like basically a weak man, mm -hmm. right? Who wanted to be taken care of by his mommy. Yeah. You know, not that it's weak to want to be taken care of your mommy. I love my mommy too, but it's like, that's kind of his modus operandi, Fred. He's, he's a terrible human being. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, also, of course, it goes to the old virgin and the whore thing. You know, yeah, where yeah. that's what she was. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, really. <laughs> but yes, but, I was I was waiting for him to kill him that whole time during that scene, and then when she, yeah. did, I really didn't think it was going to happen this episode. I kind of gave up on it. I'm like, well, that was her chance. What's going to happen now? I don't know. I was convinced. I just thought. I don't know. Maybe it was your the predictions of everyone kind of thinking. Well, but yeah, yeah. I, I think that I, I was just feeling it, and it was so. The episode itself was so such a retrospective, you know, with the flashbacks and stuff. Yes. And the feeling, and of course, her narration, um, that it it just felt very natural that it did happen. Um, but again, it even so quickly after I was surprised when rewatching, it's rather quickly after this scene itself with her and Fred that everything just works out, you know, and they're driving and meeting Lawrence and things are happening. Yeah, it does move very quickly. And Lawrence is still a big uh, mystery to me. You know he is he really is and I feel like I had I had a couple of notes on him I mean he's a mystery but he's definitely tuned into June knowing that just Fred going back to Gilead would not be enough for her but then when when Fred's at the border and sees him Lawrence is also one of those, I give zero fucks about you, Fred Waterford. You know, he, the looks on his face were just like oh comical. God. I was dying. I I can't, like, so was I. I can't even think about it. I'm going to start laughing. I can't, I couldn't breathe when I was laughing. And I'm uh, like, oh, this is, this show is really making me laugh. It, it shouldn't make me laugh. But when he was like, our hero is returned. <laughs> I know. You know? And then, and then Fred, it, Fred's like, I, everything I did was for my family. And Lawrence is like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and then like Nick that. shows up. 
and he's like, you know, the eyes have operative control and blah, blah. And he goes, well, I guess he's got me in a corner there. He's got me over yeah. a barrel. He's got me over a barrel. What am I to do? Okay. Good, good evening to you. And then he's just like, that's it, you know? Yeah. Um, I thought it was great. But I still, it's a mystery to me. I guess he, I feel, I hope, my hope is that he is setting himself up for a post-Gilead world where he can be an emissary and he can get the um, clemency that Fred does not, you know? And maybe I, because when we met him, he was so defeated, right? And everything with his wife, mm. and he has a heart. And even though he too was like an architect of Gilead, it seems to be that he understands now that this is does not is not the right way. I mean, what's difficult about him, and I think you might have you might have just been going to say something about this, is it is hard to tell what his true goal is. And I don't know that he actually has one other than he likes to be the puppet master and make other people dance. And he likes to experiment with things and see to see what works and, and what doesn't. And I think Gilead has ended up being this kind of, I thought it's kind of almost started like out as a joke, something he brought up as an idea at a party, guys got behind it, they went with it. It's a huge disaster. Now he's in a position again to like tweak it. Let's see how we can potentially make it better. And that's why he's kind of got Lydia in his palm of his hand. He's, you know, in cahoots with Nick now. He's got a relationship with June still outside um, that she's really helped him forge with the Canadians slash Americans, depending on uh, how you look at it. But I think he likes to pull strings. And yeah, I, I would. Th I think. Th I think that that's accurate. But I wonder. But is that that's most beneficial then to him, not to Gilead? And yeah. if you're running a country, that's not perhaps going to be so successful, especially one that espouses such hardline, you know, religious views. Mm. Um, and intolerance. So that's what, that's why I think in the end, I'm, it's still confusing to me. Like when Nick says the eyes have, he said, he, I don't know if you remember, he says something like the eyes have operative control over the council now. And then he can, and then he's like, well, what are we going to do? So he's risen so much in one season. Um, but who is really running Gilead and what's really going, uh, that's what confuses yeah. me that this is able to happen. And if Nick, if Nick is a very high up in the eyes and Lawrence is negotiating huge things like this, right? Which would probably be one of the most important thing that Gilead is doing. Uh, I would think that, why is Gilead still around? I mean, yeah. Is is this setting like are are, are we going to see a a bigger, you know, like June leave now and go and start like an insurrection 
uh, within it with their help. I mean, I'd, obviously they couldn't just two guys couldn't do it so quickly. But hell, those are some really good guys to have on your team. Well, you know, that's why I was kind of questioning, is Nick already a double agent? Um, you know, Lawrence has gifts. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, we'll see what happens. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. It's late at night. I'm not usually talking at this hour. <laughs> oh, I mean, so this whole salvaging is a throwback to the very first episode. I wasn't expecting this and I couldn't even see the whistle in her hand where she's like, shoot after Nick drags Fred out into the woods. And he's like, we know there's no way you can shoot me. And I'm kind of thinking, oh, you don't know her at all. But she's like, oh, okay, blows the whistle. I don't know what, what Fred was thinking to choose the whistle over the gun. Like, was he thinking just a group of soldiers were gonna come out for him? Like. Seriously, the guy is utterly clueless. <laughs> He's just be you know what? He's just being a contrarian, right? Like for power, for power. Yeah. I think at that point it was like, you know, whatever, dude. You're going down, you know, like Yeah. So, I think to little did of course, I mean, that has to be the grand setup that she said too early in the episode, what do you want? And she was like, I want him to be more afraid than he's ever been in his life or something yeah. like that, right? And he sure was. And this creates that feeling of yeah. being, I mean, come on, you couldn't be any more afraid than that. Like that's like so many, that's like your everyone's first nightmare, someone, something chasing you, right? That's so primal of humanity. You know, and especially in this position where it's all the women chasing him. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I thought it was obviously it's perfect. It harkens back to so much stuff we've seen before and, you know, and them being forced to do stuff like that previously. Yeah. You know, you know I mean, they yeah. were all it's it's so interesting the way these women were used as executioners, really. Yeah. and. Well, is she Aunt Lydia now, you know? Well, I mean, uh, you know, you can go back and I, I play it at the beginning of this episode of the podcast, Aunt Lydia's speech before they go all in and beat the guardian to death that mm -hmm. raped the handmaid because it could have gone, she could have, she could have recited that word for word and it would still pretty much have been accurate up to a point of what was going to happen. But, you know, instead they just all go for it. And I love how June starts in and Emily's like, oh, hell yeah, I'm going in. Like the look mm -hmm. on her face, she's just <laughs> so excited. And the beautiful shot of all the flashlights in a perfect circle around yeah. this salvaging that's, that's happening. And it's, you know, they were saying, oh, even if he goes back to Gilead, you know, he'll, what, he's going to get sent to the colonies is, you know, what's really going to happen to him. And, you know, I think both June and Emily thought he needs a Gilead style punishment and that's a salvaging. And we've got enough handmaids here that know how to do that. Former handmaids. Yeah. Yeah. That was, Ooh. I mean, it I was, was amazing. Yeah, I was not expecting that. Yeah. I was expecting death 
for Fred. I was not expecting it. Even though I think I made a joke about, you know, he's got rabid handmaids that were all talking about like cutting off their commander's dicks and making them eat it and things like that in a previous episode. But no, they, they let loose and the You Don't Own Me song yeah. that they played during that, that was the closing song to the first episode of the series. Yeah. It was very full circle um, in so many ways. And yeah. oh, and even the ring. <laughs> the the ring and the finger. Yeah. So when they are doing that ceremony in the first, the first ceremony we see in the first episode, you see Fred's hand and the his ring finger on the post of the bed as he's coming during yep. the ceremony. I remember that. And it's just like, yeah. I mean, so many little. It also, it, it also, what it made me think is Serena's finger. Yes, yes, yes. I think that was the most obvious one. Like this yeah. is this was definitely a message from June to Serena. And also, it's like, and it also, at first, I thought it might have been his wiener. You know, I was thinking that too. <laughs> yeah, so but I was like, okay. I guess they decapitated him. They had that body hanging. You see just a brief flash of it with the "Don't let the bastards get you down" in in Latin. You see a picture of the body hanging, but that interview confirmed that it was a headless body. Yep. And so I imagine that his head is somewhere in his dicks and his mouth. That's just kind of or, what I thought. Yeah, or they just it doesn't they just it just disintegrated in a rain of blows. Ooh, you oh. know? Um, oh, you or, or, like mountain um, Game of Thrones style where they crush. Yes. That's what, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yep. Just like that. It was, yeah, it was shocking. I mean, the music, everything, it was very Handmaid's Tale. It was fitting for him, all the horrible shit that we've seen this dude do. I mean, of course it begs to question, like I was saying, is she Aunt Lydia now? The age old question, you know, I mean, I think the Walking Dead did 18 seasons of when do you become the animal, you know? But let, let me just go on record here. I think this was okay, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, I, I understand if these, if that's what these women, they chose to do this and for what he did and if what they become is an army, in certain instances, you know, I don't think that if we had just chatted with Hitler, things would have worked out. They tried appeasement, yes. you know? Yeah. And in situations such as these, and that's why as myself, I think of myself, I am a pacifist. I don't believe even in the death penalty. But in a situation like this, where they have to rise up to take back their entire country and rescue all these women and children and people will, that is what's gonna have to happen. And if that's the army that she forms, you know, yeah. um, then this is who you, in your heart, you'd want in the beginning when this show first started, the first season, I thought to myself, oh, maybe by season three, she could actually get back to her husband and be happy. 
But at a certain point, that's not the goal any longer. And she seems, as this episode illustrates, incapable of that at this point, yes, right? Yes, at this point, for sure. I so, think, yeah. And I think that's partially what always frustrates me so much about Luke just really wanting to move on. Yeah. It's like, you know what? This is Isn't years of therapy before she's your June again. Years. years. I don't, th- I mean, maybe, if ever. I don't. Yeah. yeah, I don't think ever. I really yeah. think, I mean, you ha- we have to accept at a certain point, it's great to be positive and to want, especially on a show or in real life. But there are things that people go through that you do not recover from. Yes. And you don't, you're never, you're not ever going to be okay. And it's yeah. something you have to live with every day. And that's who she is. And if what she can do to go on is to keep fighting and turn herself into a machine that rains down on Gilead, that will be to the benefit of humanity, Mm. you know, if not to the benefit of her, because I don't think that June is going to have a happy ending. Um, I just, I don't think she is, but I think she'll help other people have a happy ending. Yeah. I think her goal is bigger than herself at this point. Like yeah. she needed this personal revenge for sure. And honestly, I don't know that she ever would have sought it if they weren't, they hadn't been letting Fred go. Right. Just another fuck you to her. Right. Like yeah. Yeah. just another one. And I think that she tried at least. Right. I mean, when she mm-hmm. was sitting there on the back porch and they're talking, she's like, I want it and crying. I want to move on that was real connection and she was, but then that's just not possible after what she's been through. But also with the power and the intellect and the, and the knowledge and experience she has to take them down, she has to use it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, the scenes between she and Emily, this episode to me were because she had a lot of scenes with Emily in in the very first episode of the series too. And it's this very slow, it's like these two women are getting to know each other again, right? They, they barely knew each other in Gilead before Emily was taken to the colonies and moved around and all sorts of other stuff. But there was a, they had to gain trust from each other in the, you know, the very first episode of, of the series, they did that. And then this episode too, it was like they were regaining each other's trust and feeling out where each other, where they really were. Like, and I feel like there was something about that that was, you know, they were talking about what was enough, you know, she's trying to let go. She's confiding in Emily about that. And then what do you really want Fred to go through? And I think there's something about those two as well, because I felt like she's been off with Moira ever since she got back too. you know, Moira's experience was so not that it was easy, but I don't think she ever had to participate in a salvaging where she beat someone to death or stone them to death you know there was just a lot she didn't go through and i think emily she's back on it now more i like that she was on like we're going to geneva you know yeah (laughs) so he's more by the book which uh, you know of course you're going to be more by the book if you haven't gone through some of the really supreme tortures of this place and what happened with her 
and what happened with her girlfriend too, right? Like, yeah, she lost that relationship by maybe that's why she's, but I mean, I think that she has a support system there with Mm -hmm. the other women who took part in what happened. And can I just ask one thing? So I, I was wondering to myself, where are they? And then Fred's like, where are we? (laughs) And he's like, we're in no man's land. I still don't quite understand how I'm going to let it go because I like the show and I understand that things in this episode happen off screen. Mm -hmm. I still don't quite understand. They, they deliver him to Gilead. They cross there on the border, but I guess because it's at war, there is like a no man's land of the borders are not as strict as we think just because it was written there doesn't mean that two miles down the road it wasn't like an anti-gilead place or i guess that's is am i right is that how it is so i kind of feel like this is um this is kind of like what do you want to call it kind of like a not like a, the DMZ or something? Yes, I feel like this is like the DMZ, like the okay. DMZ. Like there must be a strip somewhere in yeah. between, you know, um, and I think that was even kind of the case in, what was that show? Man in the White Castle. They had that yeah. kind of free area. That was, oh, okay, you're right. And that's where they met at the diner too, right? With yes. Lawrence and everything? Yeah. Okay. And, and it must have been where she met with Nick too, I would yes. say. But there's yeah. some kind, there is kind of like a no man's land. Yeah. I just, I didn't, I, didn't, yeah, I didn't get it. I wish they had explained that. But I, I, can, I can go with it. Yeah. Um, that's, but, that's kind of what I thought that, that yeah. must be there. But man, those handmaids had a map to no, no man's land. <laughs> I mean, they all drove out. Right? I know. They all had cars. They, uh, you know, they didn't yeah. even get an Uber. Oh, you know what was funny is the uh, product integration of Zoom into this episode. Yes. Yeah, um, Fred, we can Zoom. We can Zoom. As she said, but then you also see it on Serena's screen just before she gets the ring and the finger. She's hanging up from a Zoom call, which I inferred that she was being told Fred was dead. But I, I didn't know if she was hanging up from a Zoom call because then I heard a ding like she had an email come in. Okay. It said computer. Zoom on the screen. Oh, okay. I didn't. I, I remember seeing that. Mm. Maybe. So I was, uh, that was a, a bit too. I kind of, it was confusing, but they did the, the last scenes here. They it was a, a, a kind of obscure, Patchy. yes. You know, like let's go. Even with June, like I just want to hold. Give me this five minutes, and then it it just becomes obvious that she's going to leave him. You know, yeah. there's like yeah. it's things unsaid, which this show has done before. So I I could I accepted it with I kind of actually I kind of liked it in the the first watch it confused me, the second watch. I, I kind of liked it because it made me feel like they trusted me as an as a watcher, you know, as a viewer, mm. um, that I can know these characters and maybe what's going on. But with Serena, that is what I invented in my mind, that she was hanging up from a call. She knew he was dead and she was just kind of sitting there like a little shocked, you know, and then the ring and then it's like, OK, where am I in my feelings? Here comes his finger in the ring from June, fuck June. 
Like yeah. that's, that's kind of what my thinking was. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It is, it was kind of left to me amb ambiguous. I couldn't really tell why they chose ambiguous, to, yeah. yeah, to, to zoom in on Serena, <laughs> zoom in, to, to focus on <laughs> Serena in that moment. Cause she just did kind of seem to be sitting there. Yeah. I didn't get the sense that she'd been told anything though. Like that's why I thought it was so weird. I don't know why I assume that, but the whole yeah. like being at the call because it was all like she's making calls she's making so it was like fred always got her where it hurts and it's like what's the way she's gonna find out that she was in the middle feeling powerful things are moving forward and then she gets the call he's dead and that you know what i mean like yeah he he just always finds a way to disappoint <laughs> right like <laughs> seriously Really? You got beaten to death by handmaids? Oh, Fred. Oh, gosh, dude. You couldn't even do that right. Good grief. Anyway, anything else left to talk Not about that... or say? I think we covered I think, it. Yeah, I think that's it. This was quite a season, quite an episode. Are you doing a season look back or taking a little break? or? What I believe doing? that... Tim and Andy and I are going to have nice. a cleanup tax reunion to talk nice. about the season. And then John Wambacher and I are going to talk about the Testaments, which will be hugely spoilery. There'll be spoilers all over that. So if people don't want to listen, they don't have to, because it's going to reveal the whole enchilada, the whole end game, I guess. What should I do? Do you think that I should watch the show and wait, or do you think that I should read it? Um, I mean, the reading of it gives a lot of insight and it basically tells you how the whole, how the whole thing's going to end really. Right. Okay. Um, and you hmm. do find out, do people have happy endings or not? But it's, it's more muted just because only one of the characters of the three characters in the testaments is super prominent in the show right okay, now i get it and then the other two one is not very prominent at all in terms of having a voice and then the other one actually the other two aren't but they're they're okay. notable characters all right well maybe i'll wait i'll give it one more season yeah yeah i give I it one more season I kind of think in one more season, they're after one more season, they're really going to start transitioning to it. I, yeah. I think that would seem logical. That'd be cool. I, I'd, I'd kind of rather experience it less as a spoiler or what's going to happen and more as adding to an a, kind of an eventuality that we're already seeing in the show. Yeah. That, that kind yeah. of makes more, if that makes any sense. But yeah. we'll see. Maybe by that time we'll beyond to a new Game of Thrones book, but probably not. <laughs> oh. Game of Thrones again for no reason. <laughs> I feel like I feel like you looking for this next Game of Thrones book is like me waiting for Luke to wake up and realize that he needs yep. to approach June differently. <laughs> it's gonna happen. Well, I look forward to you and Tim and Andy, and this has been a lot of fun, and I really enjoyed this season. Um, and I have to do, I, I, I do have to say in that, again, in that Hollywood Reporter interview, 
the showrunner talked about how at one point they had considered maybe they didn't need like maybe to kind of compress the first two to three episodes of when she's hanging out at the you know kind of escaping and at the farm and everything um but i'm actually kind of glad they didn't i think that this that was a good point for the season because mm. then it took off like a rocket yes yeah. and i think that that was good so overall i really did like this season i do think though that you can tell that it was compressed i do think it needed the three other episodes but it didn't ruin it in any way right and i still felt really good about this season so i'm looking forward to hear what you all think about and how i'd like to, i'm interested to hear if andy and tim were kind of aware of that or if, what they think if the, if it felt like it could have needed a bit more to do because they had talked about a couple he had talked about in that interview a couple different directions they could have went in um and uh maybe we'll maybe they'll give them more episodes next season maybe yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens with that we'll I, be, I bet they go back to 13. i i could see them it's a good number yeah i could see them doing that but, well thanks so much axel for joining me and listeners, don't let the bastards grind you down. The righteous will rejoice in vengeance and wash their feet in the blood of the, the wicked. It's good stuff.